Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Working from the Schwink Studios in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwink. Sarah Abbott is working from the Sarah Abbott Studio in Bristol, Connecticut. I'm Buster Only, working from the home farm in Randolph Center, Vermont. Last night, on the other side of the country, the Angels and the Yankees played, and it was like a battle of two superstars, Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge. Otani giving the Angels a lead in the bottom of the fifth inning. 2-2 game in the fifth. Next pitch, swings and drives one deep into right center field. This ball's carrying deep, and this one is out of here! Shohei Otani has just hit his 29th home run of the season. Angels are back on top, and tonight in the opener against the Yankees, it's showtime. Well, it was still 4-2, top of the eighth inning, and Aaron Judge came to the plate 49 homers on the season. The 1-1. High drive. Left center. Trout back. Looking up. See ya, number 50. Aaron Judge connects for his 50th home run of the year and his 4-3 Angels. That was Michael Kay on the Yes Network. The Yankees lose 4-3. They're leading the American League East down to seven games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays. Since we were last in the podcast, Yankees reliever Aroldis Chapman was placed on the injured list because of a leg infection stemming from a tattoo I talked to Yankees uh, sources in the last 24 hours, and they indicated they feel like he's getting better. But, boy, uh, what a season for Aroldis Chapman. Padres, Giants, and Brandon Drury, who was one of the, I think, uh, least talked about acquisitions before the deadline, really helped out San Diego on Monday night. Rodon delivers. Drury hits it in the air to deep left field. Peterson's going back. He's at the wall looking up. Going to go. A two-run homer for Brandon Drury. And the Padres have struck against Rodon. Three to nothing here in the first. On their way to a 6-5 to five win. They actually led 6-0 and they had to hang on to win 6-5. to five. That sound from 97.3, the fan. The Padres now eight and a half games ahead of the Giants in the playoff race. Earlier in the day in Miami, the last game of four-game set between the Dodgers and the Marlins, and Will Smith gave the Dodgers a lead in the top of the third. 2-2, five ball center field, well hit. Blade going back, he's at the wall, he looks up and it's gone! Will Smith with his 19th home run of the year. It's a two-run shot, and the Dodgers take a 2-1 lead here in the top half of the third. That was my man, Charlie Steiner, on AM570 LA Sports. The Dodgers go on a win in 10, 3-2. The big news, though, for the team, they placed pitcher Tony Gonsolin on the 15-day injured list with a forearm strain. Gonsolin told reporters it just kind of felt tight coming out of the last outing. I've dealt with a little bit of tightness early this year. Thought it was going away a couple days, and it lingered this time, so we're going to push back. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats, life happens live. Cardinals are playing great. They face the Reds, and Albert Pujols helped them with a big barrage of runs early in the game. And the next pitch to Albert is hit high and deep to right field. Backing up to the track, looking up, and it's gone! Home run, Albert Pujols! Number 694, and he took it the other way. 
and he's now had more home runs off of more different pitchers than anybody who's ever played this game. And the Cardinals add two more runs. Albert Pujols does it again. That was Ricky Horton on the Cardinals radio network. Yeah, six homers away from becoming only the fourth player in history to have 700 in his career. Sarah Langs has some thoughts. We'll also be hearing from Tim Kirchin on the podcast today. The Mariners and uh, Julio Rodriguez agreed to a long-term extension since our last podcast. They could max out at $470 million, is guaranteed at least $210 million. Tim will be talking about that. Before the Red Sox game on Monday, Boston team president Sam Kennedy felt the need to say out loud he's comfortable in saying that Bloom, the head of baseball operations and manager Alex Cora, will be back. Tim's got some feeling about that. Uh, the Red Sox continue to roll downhill. They lost the Twins last night. Gio Urshela getting a big hit from Minnesota. And the pitch. Hit down the right field line. Trouble. Verdugo's not going to get it. It's going to roll into the corner. Arise scores. Correa scores. Here comes Miranda. He scores. And like that, the Twins lead 4-2. to two. Dan Gladden and the Treasure Island Baseball Network. That would be the final score, 4-2. to two. Madison Bumgarner has been struggling really badly of late. Was booed off the mound in Arizona last night. The Diamondbacks fell behind 7-0. And you know what happened? Arizona came back with help from newly promoted prospect Corbin Carroll. Swing and a floater. There's his first big league hit. It's going to score two. Carroll's on his way to second. He's got a two-run double. And the Diamondbacks lead it 9-7. to seven. On their way to a 13-7 victory, that from the Diamondbacks radio network. And big news uh, came out Sunday night, uh, June Lee of ESPN. The Major League Baseball Players Association has taken steps to help facilitate union representation for minor leaguers. We'll be talking about that with Tim coming up. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, a couple things to note. You should absolutely continue listening to this podcast, but if you would prefer to watch Buster and Tim in their natural habitats, you can scoot on over to ESPN's YouTube page. We do their segment over there on video every week also. And, and you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, Taylor, today, if you do that, you can see the list of birds that my sister and her husband uh, have compiled that they've seen this year on the farm. I it's love right it. It's right over my left shoulder. What do you think? I love it. I, You know, when you got on, I didn't know where you were i was like oh you got some farmhouse vibes behind you and you're like well i'm on a farm so that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) not just for aesthetics yeah a couple things here espn podcast presents the longest game in the spring of 1981 the pawtucket red sox and the rochester wings red wings excuse me met for a minor league game over the course of 33 innings the two teams would make history you should check out the latest episode of 30 for 30 podcast wherever you listen to your podcast also espn in partnership with peyton manning's omaha production present soup with coop cooper manning invites players and coaches from across sports to share stories and laughs while enjoying a bowl of his guests favorite soup when the soup is finished the conversation ends that's soup with coop listen wherever you get your podcasts We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging 
so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkshen. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirkshen, of course, Hall of Famer, covers baseball for ESPN. Tim, how are you doing this week? I'm, I'm doing well, Buster. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing okay uh, up here at the Family Farm in Vermont. Hey, I just want to say thank you uh, for your commitment to the podcast. Uh, you know, we got this great... Uh, bleacher tweet from P.K. Steinberg, who's a regular listener, and he, he asked, Buster, will you and Tim please shave lightning bolts in your hair if the Cardinals win the World <laughs> Series? And after, you know, I got that. I was in, it was in the midst of the Sunday night game. I, I absolutely responded immediately, and I committed you and your son, Jeff, to doing this together, you know, having lightning bolts in honor of, uh, I felt like Adam Wainwright and his son, who asked him to shave a lightning bolt, so I, you, I, you know, I essentially uh, said yes. Tim will do this. Well, I'm not sure I have enough hair to do this. As you can see clearly, my forehead has become a five head. My son Jeff is in for everything. He's 29 years old. All 29 year olds are up for anything. But yes, I will shave a lightning bolt into my hair. Of course, <laughs> of course there's not much there. I'm not sure there's going to be room, and I've got a. You know, I've got an on-deck circle on the top of my head, a bald spot up there. So we'll have to be careful how we shave, okay? See, I did not get the reaction from you that I expected. I thought you'd basically be like, what are you doing committing me? And what happened to you in this whole event? But maybe the fact that Jeff jumped in yesterday on Twitter said, yeah, I'm up for it. Maybe, Maybe that moved you along? Well... If my son asked me to do anything, then the answer is yes, because that's what parents do for their children. I danced on national TV with Jojo Siwa because my son asked me to do it. It was the single most embarrassing thing my entire life. But because my son asked me to do it, I did it. So if he's in, I'm in. Yeah, Taylor, you got it on the record, right? Cardinals win the World Series. What's going to happen? Oh yeah, we're <laughs> we're pulling this for sure. This is going nowhere. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on a separate hard drive so we don't lose it. <laughs> All right. Uh, last night, Tim Aaron Judge hit home run number fifty. Uh, how much money is he going to make this winter? 
Well, I think it's going to start with a three now, Buster. I'm, I'm not sure there's a way around that. He, you know, he turned down, what was it, seven years, 208, whatever. Yeah, it, it was, seven yeah. years, $213.5 million, right. $30.5 million dollars a year. Right. So I think it's going to start with a three, and I, I think – it's going to it's going to be deserved because even though he's going to be 30 years old he's he's a great player he's having an mvp season and he's going to hit 60 home runs i just don't know how the yankees are going to get away not giving him 300 million and if they don't somebody else is because he's not only great he's getting better and he's as good a kid as you'll find in the big leagues so i think add all that together uh, I think he gets a ton of money. Again, Buster, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Aaron Judge, the only three Yankees ever to have two 50 home run seasons. They've been playing for a long time with a lot of great players. Pretty impressive what he's done. Okay, if the Yankees sign him to a contract that starts with the number three, uh, that would represent a complete surrender in the negotiations which is not without precedent in the Yankees' history. Uh, in the fall of 2000, uh, excuse me, in the fall of 1998, Bernie Williams became a free agent, uh, and the Yankees had offered him $60 million, and he went out in the open market. The Diamondbacks were talking about a significant contract. Then he went and talked with the Red Sox, and he sat down with George Steinbrenner, and he said, you know what? There have been times when I felt like you doubted me, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, but here are these offers that I've received, and that tells you this is what I'm really worth. And after that moment, as Bernie drove away from the Yankees complex down in Tampa uh, with his agent, Scott Boris, his phone rang, and it was George Steinbrenner saying, I'll pay you, essentially. And he wound up getting $87.5 million after the Yankees had stood on a $60 million offer for months so if the Yankees sign him, that's got to happen. Yes, it's got to be a complete and utter surrender and, and essentially an acknowledgement that they were wrong with the offer in the spring. Yeah, surrender is a good word, Buster. And help me here because you covered the team then. Bernie was in line potentially to go to the Red Sox, right? And I think George said we're not letting him go to the Red Sox. So if Aaron Judge potentially, we're making all this up, could end up with the Mets or another contending team against the Yankees, how could the Yankees say no? I, again, I'm not suggesting it's going to happen, but you're right. It will take a complete surrender by the Yankees. But if you're going to surrender to anyone, I think Aaron Judge is one to surrender to, given how well he's played this year, I think where his where his career is still headed, and what a great kid he is. Yeah, and he's proven himself in a big market. Marley Rivera tweeted this out after the game last night, which the Yankees lost to the Angels. Uh, Judge was asked about what he thinks about when he looks at the 2022 season with 50 home runs. He said, I'll be thinking about a 4-3 loss. That's what I'll be thinking about, and that might feel a little bit fake unless you know Aaron Judge. Yes, Tim? Yes, I agree. When he said 50 is just another number, it is just a number, another number last night in a loss. I mean, this reminds me of Mark McGuire during the 62 chase and everything else. I mean, I was around that all the time. 
and, and he was really uncomfortable talking about chasing any sort of record while the Cardinals kept losing games, which they lost a lot of games that year, judge in a different position. But it's a whole different thing. It's hard to stand in front of your locker and talk about some sort of record when your team just lost a game, several games now in a row. So I'm a judge. That's real when he says that. Okay, this is the first show since Julio Rodriguez got his massive extension from the Seattle Mariners the other day with all the twists and turns and the the opt-ins, opt-outs, uh, you know, which could make it worth up to $470 million. It's worth at least $210 million. What did you make of all that? Well, I think it's great for Julio Rodriguez because he's had, you know, four months in the big leagues and now he's getting paid an enormous amount. He's guaranteed over $200 million. Look, Buster, I'm all for this. This is what the Braves have done. These things work for the most part. Um, It does worry me a tiny bit that I used to love baseball. Well, I used to love that baseball was the one sport where you really had to prove yourself probably for six years before you really get paid. And now we're paying guys after six months, or in this case, after four months. So there is a concern there. However, you look at this kid whose poise is ridiculously high for someone this young. He's 21. He won't be 22 till December. He's the fourth youngest player in the major leagues. He has tremendous power. He's a 2020 guy already and you put everything together and the Mariners look at it and say, we can't let this guy go and he's going to crush us in arbitration for the next five years. So why don't we pay him now? I think it's great for Rodriguez. I think it's great for the Mariners. The only danger is we were saying the exact same thing when Fernando Tatis Jr. got his huge deal. And at least early on, it hasn't gone the way the Padres had wanted. Yeah. I'll retell the story from the home run derby. Uh, that Julio Rodriguez participated in, caught all of our attention with his performance there. Uh, Moogie Betts was carrying his uh, his daughter behind home plate, and he stepped forward and said something to Julio Rodriguez, and then he told me right after that, hey, I told him to keep it going. And then Mookie looked at me with the biggest eyes and said, it's the first time I've ever seen him in person. Oh, my God. So if you can impress Mookie Betts, uh, that's saying something about you. Speaking of the Dodgers, Tony Gonsolin uh, has a strained forearm. He goes to the injured list. The Dodgers are playing at a pace. I I tweeted this out this morning that if you look at what they've done since June 21st, uh, since then their pace, their win pace would be at about 128 over the course of a a, a full 162-game season. They're killing the ball. They're killing other teams. They're racking up tons of runs. Their run differential within the next week might be over 300. But Tim, they've got a lot of these injuries. Their pitching staff rack, uh, you know, getting piled up. What's your take on this injury? Well, first off, with the Dodgers, you're right. Twenty-one and five in August, Buster. They're fifty-one games over five hundred. <laughs> I always remember Earl Weaver pulling out of uh, on the bus coming out of Kansas City, late seventies September game that they lost, and he growls to no one in particular on the bus. He said. Damn, it's hard to stay 50 games over 500. That's how <laughs> unlikely it is to be where the Dodgers are. 
But to answer your question, yes, it's a concern. Walker Bueller is out for the season. Tony Gonsolin is 16-1, and one, and he's hurt, and it's a forearm. It's a terrible word when you get an injured pitcher using that part of his body. Um, I still think they're great. I think they'll be the best team in baseball when they, when they enter October, but we know it's going to be an all-time grind to get through that month with a late start, a late finish, more games, everything. They're going to need as much. They, every team's going to meet, need as much starting pitching as possible. And the Dodgers likely might end up in October with uh, diminished starting pitching because of all these injuries. Yeah, I think when we turn in our power rankings later today at ESPN.com, you and I will both have the Dodgers at number one. They've earned it uh, with how they've dominated. But the question going into the postseason is who is going to potentially knock them off? And Tim, I thought over the weekend, Cardinals and Braves, I saw two teams who have the potential for doing that. In fact, I mean, the Braves are the defending champions. I said to one member of the Braves, I think this team might actually be better than the team that you had last year that won the World Series. And this person looked at me and said, I totally agree with you. And then the Cardinals, I think, with the addition of Jordan Montgomery, the great defense, the fact that they're getting, I think, some of their position players settling it out, Tyler O'Neill maybe bouncing back from some injuries, I think they're a really dangerous team. Do you agree with me or no? Yeah, I said on baseball tonight on Sunday, I think the Braves are better than they were at this time last year. Spencer Strider adds another element. So does Michael Harris the second. Um, I mean, they are really, really good. Um, and the Cardinals. Oh, and Ronald Acuna Jr. back. Right. <laughs> He's going to be back there in October as opposed to last year. And I Love where the Cardinals are. Jack Flaherty's got one more rehab start. There's no pitch limit on him. Let's say he comes back as the Jack Flaherty that we know, and he's a number one starting pitcher uh, in the postseason. I mean, how do you not love the Cardinals if all of that works out, especially with the guys at the corners? And you mentioned Tyler O'Neill. He was so important to them last year, and only recently has he gotten it going. So I love where the Cardinals are. Mets, Cardinals, Braves, Dodgers, those are just four teams in the National League who could win the World Series with the team they have right now. I repeat, the National League playoffs is going to be one of the great spectacles ever. Uh, You love baseball. That's pretty well established on this podcast. And I wanted to get your response to what we saw leading up to the game on Sunday night. Adam Wainwright talking with David Cohn as he went through his pregame regimen. What was your takeaway from that? Well, Adam Wainwright's better than all of us on television, okay? I would mic him (laughs) up for his entire life. He has made me laugh so many different times, and yet he has also taught me so much about the game when you just talk to him about pitching. You know, he he, he plants vegetables. He makes his own iced teas like a great cook. He can really sing. He's the father of, of daughters. He's great at it. I mean, there's nothing he can't do, but it was so good to see two two pitchers speaking the same language and doing what they did. David Cohn was tremendous, but uh, Wainwright was even better just because he was saying, what did he say? I have to be, I have to put on my dastardly face or something because I don't want the Braves to see me laughing on the field before a game started. Buster, how many pitchers have we met in our time who you can't even say hello to on the day they're pitching? All right, Kurt Schilling, I can list about 20, Scott Erickson, you're not allowed to go near Justin Verlander is not. 
number one, I think. Right. And here is Adam Wainwright at age 41, whatever he is today, walking around, joking around with a microphone on a few minutes before he starts a major league game. I think that speaks to exactly who Adam Wainwright is and why he's been so good for so long. Yeah, totally comfortable in his own skin. And I, boy, what a treat for all of us. And and uh, I think you'll be really shocked about this, know, knowing Eduardo Perez and how selfish he is, Tim. This was his idea, from what I understand. It was brought up in a conference call last week. His idea, hey, you know, let's talk to, to Wayno. He uh, talked to Adam on Saturday about the possibility. And as it played out, the only two voices you heard were Wainwright and David Cohn because Eduardo Perez knew that a conversation between two starting pitchers would be the most effective way to do that on television. Eduardo, given Coney the uh, the big stage. Well, this is why Eduardo is one of my all-time best friends, because it's never about him. And he has this way, Buster, where he he just acts like he's been there before. So he goes to Adam Wainwright without even thinking twice and saying, hey, I think you should do this. And Adam Wainwright said, yes, I we should. But, but again, Eduardo recognized this is a pitcher-to-pitcher conversation. This would be difficult if it were – it would be different, sorry, if this were Albert Pujols – speaking before the game mic'd up. That's where Eduardo would be asking all the questions, and I'm sure David Cohn would take a step backwards. But that's that's who Eduardo is. He's America's guest. He's an all-timer in every way. Coming up on the podcast, you can hear that conversation replayed uh, in its entirety between Adam Wainwright and David Cohn. Tim, this got my attention yesterday. Sam Kennedy, who's the president of the Red Sox, uh, you know, the Red Sox had tremendous success under uh, Sam's direction, uh, spoke with the Athletic and said to them that, you know, he's comfortable in saying that both Heim Bloom and Alex Cora will be back in their respective roles for 2023. Uh, the fact that he felt the need to address that. I think tells you a lot about the chatter that's going on around baseball about what's going on with the Red Sox. Yeah, and and I believe Sam Kennedy, everything he says, so I'm going to take him at his word here, but I'm not so sure this is the perfect marriage, general manager and manager, and I'm not positive that both of those guys are going to be back next year, mainly because of how poorly things have gone, especially lately in Boston. Look, Alex Cora is a great manager. He should be the manager of that team next year. But to me, they're just, help me, Buster, they're just divergent, you know, personalities and you know, they're looking in different directions from what I can see. So they're going to have to really get it together if they're going to make those two work together. Hein Bloom's really smart. Alex Gore is a great manager. And if he doesn't come back to Boston, and I'm not suggesting he's not going back, he would get a job very quickly. To me, the standard, Tim, is the question of whether or not they're doing everything they can to win. Because Alex, that's ever since I've all the time I've known him, that's what he wants to do. Would you agree with me? Like that's his stand. I want to win. I want an right. opportunity to win. Buster, I did one of their games recently and he said, my goal every day is to win tonight. That's all he ever thinks about. And when anyone else in the organization is thinking, well, 
we have to think about next year and the year after. That just doesn't jive with the manager, nor should it in many on many days. The, the goal is to win tonight and win as many games as you can this year and then figure out next year, next year. And I think that's a slightly different philosophy than some other people in the front office. Yeah, I think that, that you know, the self-examination in the Red Sox organization needs to take place in the offseason has to be with the team's leadership about contracts. Look, uh, you know, we know, and I had a conversation with someone recently there, basically how the the perception of the Red Sox has changed completely since they traded Mookie Betts. Uh, that, you know, this organization ownership that had won four titles in, what was it, 20 years or 18 years at that time, totally changed when they, uh, they traded Mookie. Uh, and I feel like every time we see one of these massive contracts, like with Julio Rodriguez, it shows that the Red Sox are completely out of step in their thinking with the market realities. When you think about, you know, what they essentially were telling fans, look, Mookie Betts was way too expensive for us, a top 10 player, a homegrown guy, great guy. We know everything about him, but we can't pay him what he's looking for. Tim, when you factor in deferred money with the Mookie Betts contract, the deal that he signed with the Dodgers, He's making about $26 million a year, okay, in that contract. What the Yankees, as we talked about, offered Aaron Judge was $30.5 million. Mike Trout got $36 million. We're seeing these other whopper contracts. The Red Sox, as a big market team, need to adjust their thinking upward if they have any chance, I think, in signing Rafael Devers and changing the way that a lot of their, not only their fans, but I think people within the organization are thinking about how their willingness to pay. Right. And, and let's face it with Mookie Betts, they simply did not get enough in return, at yeah. least early on here. There's no way around that. And we never, ever evaluate a trade until maybe two, three, five years later. But it hasn't worked out the way the Red Sox had thought. And if they're not going to re-sign Rafael Devers, 25-year-old with that kind of track record and that kind of future, then I think the questions are going to get even more aimed at the Red Sox. What what are you doing here? Who are you going to sign if you're not going to sign Mookie Betts, if you're going to potentially let Xander Bogarts get away, and you're going to let Rafael Devers get away? Who are you going to sign? What do you think of the news that minor leaguers are going to unionize uh, with the Player Association helping to facilitate that? I want to make it clear to everybody, uh, the Major League Baseball Player Association will not be uh, – giving uh, equal representation to minor leaguers. They do the big leaguers. They don't have to blow up the current uh, CBA or anything like that. Uh, But for the first time, it feels like we're seeing the player association advocating strongly for the minor leagues. What'd you think? Yeah, I think it's, I think it has to be done. Buster, I covered minor league baseball, 79, 80 and an a ball team. And I, could not believe the conditions that those players played under. And here it is, you know, 43 years later, and it's still just not right that the the minor leaguers are over there and the big leaguers are over there and there's no connection. And the minute they get called up, everything changes. Well, it shouldn't be that way. They should have rights right now. They should have a better connection to the union right now. So I think this is a great move. We'll see how this works out, exactly what this 
leads to, but this has to be done in my mind because minor league players are for the most part not taken care of properly when it comes to, especially when it comes to salary. It's unbelievable how little a minor league baseball player makes. So let's get them unionized. Let's get them together and let's get them closer to the big leaguers. I remember it was about a decade ago. I was talking with one of my Vanderbilt guys uh, after he had uh, played his first couple of years in pro ball. And I said, you know, how did you find it? And he said, I can't tell you how disappointed I am. You know, he'd come from a, a program where there was a lot of focus on the players and trying to make them better on trying to help them. And he said, it's like being thrown into the deep end of a pool. Now you and I will agree that in the last decade, since I had that conversation um, the way teams have, have helped players with nutrition, uh, in some cases with salary, has really improved. But there's a lot of work to be done. I totally agree with you. I, I covered uh, the Nashville Sounds in 1989, 1990. Um, boy, to, to see that some of the you know the the compensation for players hasn't advanced that much since then is shocking to me. You're you're right. Baseball is trying to make things better, but you're right. They're they need to try harder than this and maybe getting everyone together like this is another big step forward. All right, Tim. Thanks for doing this. Always great to talk with you and I can't wait to see that lightning in your hair. I'm kind of becoming Cardinals today. <laughs> All right, Buster. Thank you. See ya. Before the Sunday night baseball game started, David Cohn had a conversation from the broadcast booth with Adam Wainwright as Wainwright was warming up. And there was a lot of interesting stuff in that. Please give a listen. Welcome back here in St. Louis Bush Stadium. We get ready for Sunday Night Baseball as the Cardinals lay host to the Braves. Boop Shambi with you. David Cohn, Eduardo Perez, Adam Wainwright getting loose in the outfield as we get ready to watch Wainwright and Odorizzi. And David Cohn getting an opportunity while Adam Wainwright gets loose to have a chat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're a, if you're a young pitcher at home, you get a chance now to see how a big league pitcher goes through his warm-ups and gets ready for a big league game. And I sort of can't ask for a better guy than Adam Wainwright to kind of take us through a little bit in terms of you know how, what you're thinking about now, how much you're going to warm up in the outfield, and then when you get to the when you get to the bullpen mound, then then it's game face time. Yeah, uh, I apologize for my rattlesnakeness that I might be putting out right here, but these uh, these Braves guys are getting loose right across from me, and I can't, you know, I can't be out here laughing and joking, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, understood. I gotta at least make them think like I'm mad. <laughs> you have a set routine yeah. you go through in terms of warming up in the outfield? Ready. Yeah. Yes, sir. You got it, yes, sir. I missed you, Tony. What'd you say? Do you have sort of a set routine that you go through in the outfield? Like yeah, how many? You know, I'll tell you. In my earlier years, I would have never agreed to do this. I'll be honest. But I just get so many times I get asked about my warm-up routine because it's a little different. You know, I don't I don't spend as much time long tossing and warming up. But when I was in Double A, I had a real trouble, a real hard time getting the ball down, throwing a lot of high pitch count innings, a lot of a lot of balls up in the zone, a lot of arm side misses, and every time on the mound. After that, after the last game, I really struggled, like, probably through the beginning of May. My double-A pitching coach, Mike Alvarez, had me just throw off the mound. So I'm about to get on the mound right here and just work on throwing the ball down downhill. Because uh, I'm a downhill pitcher, so I don't make my money up in the zone. I've already done a lot of stuff inside to get my body loose. So we're just going to get on the mound. We're going to have some fun. But 
just remember, you young pitchers out there, I get this in the big leagues and the minor leagues and little leagues too. Warming up is just warming up. Don't put too much into it, you know what I mean? You're throwing the ball in the dirt, you're throwing the ball high. Does not mean you're gonna do that in a game. I hear a lot of people say, well, I knew I wasn't gonna pitch good because I warmed up like crap. And that's just not the way it is. All we're doing today is getting loose, just getting our body warm, preparing to go out and dominate. Fall in love with the process, not the result. Yeah, I don't have any Velcro though. You got a Velcro? I'll just stick it in there for now. Well, we know you're getting ready to get getting your routine going. Is there any amount of, you know, uh, set fastballs you throw or curveballs, or are you just getting your body loose, like you said, and then you're good to go when you feel it? Yeah, I mean, it's... Let me pick the right ball here. It's always a... There's always a system, right? There's a... There's a certain amount of pitches that I'm around every time, but it doesn't have to be the same every time. You know, if you if you're a, if you're a robot to the exact same thing every time, there's going to be games here and there where it doesn't happen exactly the same, and then you feel mentally defeated. And that's not the way pitching is. If it's a hot day, I might throw five, six less pitches. And also, I know these guys behind me, these pitching coaches. They have a little game going with themselves and trying to guess how many pitches I'm going to throw pregame. So, just to mess with them without them knowing it, I might change the end of the routine up just a little bit every now and then, just keep them on their toes. I don't want to get too cocky, you know what I mean? There you go. You got to keep modest. Right there, I worked up close and worked on downhill. And all this is right here. This whole warm-up routine, this whole warm-up routine is all about getting loose. How much do you pay attention to your alignment? Well, I'm paying attention to every little movement, so I want the ball coming off my hand exactly the same. Even my bullpens between starts. I don't throw very hard. I had a lot of teammates over the years go, man, how do you get anything out of that? You know, but I came up in the Brave system. We threw two bullpens between starts. And you had to, what it did is it taught you how to really learn your delivery. It taught you how to learn your delivery at a slow speed. And if you can do it at slow speed, you can do it fast. If you can't do it slow, you can't do it fast. So, in all my bullpens, pre-game or even between, or right before the start, all I'm doing is trying to get my arm in the right spot, trying to get the timing down, trying to get the spin right. I'm hoping this right here brings a little excitement to our game of baseball. Because I love when they do this kind of stuff in the NFL. Yeah, this is great. I mean, you're taking us inside to a warm-up routine before a big league game. You've been around, you're making your 384th career start in the big leagues. You know what you're doing down there, and you're sharing it with a lot of young kids out there who want to see how you go about doing your job getting ready for a big game. Yeah, I got wires on me. I can't hear y'all very good. How about now? Say something now so I can tell if I can hear you again. Yeah, when when do you when do you know that you, that uh, you're ready to start taking it up a notch? Maybe breaking off some curveballs, fastballs to each side of the plate, and then you get into it. Yeah, I work on all fastball command at first, and just trying to get that timing down. 
trying to get that timing down where I'm really locating on both sides of the plate, locating the ball down, locating the ball up when I want, in, out, up, down. I move on to spin after that. It's about, I do about, uh, do about five fastballs each side. And then I go back on uh, left side for three more sinkers. Now we got to do this anthem real quick. Shot of the side of my head right here. This little lightning ball. You see that? Yes. What do you got going there? Yeah. So took my son to get a haircut yesterday. He said, "Daddy, will you please get a lightning ball in your head like me?" I said, "Yeah, buddy. Let's do it." Nice. Nobody will ever see it. <laughs> like I talked about a few minutes ago. Get a routine, something that works for you, something that gets you loose. This one works for me. I've been doing it a long time. But a routine is great as long as it doesn't come, become superstition. If you're out there thinking you got to do exactly the same thing every time to have success, then that's, that's making you a weaker competitor. If they told me right now that I had eight pitches to get loose, can do that because you are what your brain tells you you are 
love that. You've got your routine. There's no panic. You know exactly what you need to do to get ready. It's not like you're going to sit down there and throw 35 curveballs because you don't like the spin. You know it. You trust it. You're going to take it to the mound. You trust that it's going to be. That's right. I mean, how many golfers are out there? Hit a little draw on the range and hit a cut on the on the on the real thing. Right. <laughs> Fastball and we go two seam. Same side of the plate, different action. But you never know, these Braves guys might be walking, watching over there, so. We're not going to give away no trade secrets, nothing like that. Yeah, I ain't giving any scouting reports. <laughs> Daddy's down there with you the whole time, though, right? Well, Snit, no, you know, Snit, Snit was my double-A manager. He's smart, man. I gotta, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be careful around him. That's right. <laughs> I think the moral to the story is, is that when I was a young pitcher, that I panicked sometimes warming up. And you said it all right there. It's that there's no panic. You're down there to get your body loose. You have your routine. You're not a slave to your routine. But you know what you need to do, and you're gonna trust that it's gonna be there when you get to the game mound. That's right. Here's the other thing about being a starting pitcher at home. You know, in a game like this, rain delay, they told me I had at least an hour. It ended up being like 40 minutes, 40, 42 minutes maybe. And uh, so it happened fast. You know, you got every reason to make excuses and all that kind of stuff, but you stay ready. And when these games happen, you're the home starter. Guess what they can't do? You can't start without you, baby. That's right. We're on your time right now. Especially when you're 40. It's okay to be fashionably late. You know, take your time. You're good. Yeah, anybody knows me, I'm, I wouldn't call it fashionable, but I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> Pitches at home laughing at me too because I'm grunting on 88. <laughs> Give it time. <laughs> See, I'm not going to throw a cutter the last pitch. See whose number I throw off. Yeah. Nice. Let's go. Let's get some. That was great, Adam. That you you did something there nobody's seen before, and on, a lot of kids are gonna love what let's they saw. Thing, you do time, baby. I'm gonna have to unplug, guys. I can't hear you anyways. Have a great one. Thank you. You can now stream the most MLB games on Directv without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today.
Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. It's Sarah Langs, reporter and producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great, Buster. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know how big of a fan you are, and I was curious about your reaction the other day to Adam Wainwright, basically uh, just having a running conversation with David Cohn uh, in his pregame warm-up. We just played it. I mean, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I was sitting here freaking out every single moment. I mean, he is so good at explaining what he's doing. And we know, you know, he called some games for Fox last year in the postseason. So we know he kind of has the television chops. But the fact that he was explaining to young kids out there, you know, have your routine, but don't make it a superstition. I mean, all of it. And the moment... (laughs) That, uh, you know, he's talking about being the home starting pitcher. They can't start without me. I mean, just incredible. And I love the line about the, uh, about the lightning bolt in his hair that he went and took his son to get his hair cut the day before. And his son goes, Hey, get a lightning bolt like me. And he's like, Yeah, no one will see it. And then he's getting the close up with ESPN during the uh, national anthem. And of course it's on uh, national TV. So that was incredible. And I mean, I feel like I need to go listen to it again. Sarah, you don't know this, but we have a commitment from Tim Kirchin uh, and his son, Jeff. If the Cardinals win the world series, they're going to shave lightning bolts into their hair. We just talked. Yes. Oh my goodness, that is amazing. I mean, we may need to get more people involved in that. Okay. Um, for the record, I don't think I'll I'll do that. I don't know. <laughs> Taylor will. Maybe Taylor will do it. Sarah, what about you? Uh, I think I'll skip it, but I think Taylor should. Maybe for Taylor, it's like if the Orioles make the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> if the Orioles win the World Series, Taylor, what do you think? Uh, we could, uh, I'll do all sorts of weird stuff if the Orioles win the World Series. We don't, we don't got time to cover all that ground today. <laughs> Very nice. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 20. So on Friday, Mookie Betts had two home runs out of the leadoff spot. It is the 20th time in his career that he has had multiple home runs out of the leadoff spot. That is the most such games in MLB history, breaking a tie with Alfonso Soriano. And, you know, the leadoff spot has certainly changed over the years, but it's really incredible to see Mookie Betts do that. And that's one of those notes for me that's always been in the back of my mind. And the moment he did that, I was like, wait a minute, 
he just had a record. So really, really cool to see. Number two. Number two is 286. So even with one run win on Monday night, the Dodgers run differential right now is plus 286. That is the fifth highest for any team since 1900 in their first 127 games of the season. 1939 Yankees were plus 376, which is wild. Then 27 Yankees were plus 310, 44 Cardinals plus 309, and the 36 Yankees plus 289. So not only are they fifth on that list, but none of these teams were even remotely recently. This is the highest in the span in the divisional era. I know you were tweeting this morning about their record in their last 62. And even in a game where Craig Kimbrell struggled, they still managed to win. We'll see what happens, of course, with Tony Gonsolin being hurt. But they are so, so good. Number one. Number one is 450. So Ross Detweiler last night became the 450th different pitcher that Albert Pools has homered off of in his career. That passed Barry Bonds for the most different pitchers homered off of all time. And of course, some of this is the function of modern relief pitching, which has changed even since Bonds' career. We're really incredible. And I love that, and this is no disrespect to Ross Stadweiler, but when he homered off of him, my first thought was, I have no idea. He might have homered off him before because Detweiler has been around for a bit, but it's just incredible. And every time that Albert Bulls homers, feels like everyone is really united and being excited for him. Maybe Cubs fans or whoever they're facing, not so much, but it really feels like uh, it's a moment people are rooting for. And I was sitting here watching that, watching Serena Williams, and it was a really fun moment for the uh, 40 plus athlete crowd. Yeah, no, no kidding. And another uh, fun day for the 40 plus uh, athlete crowd came on Saturday at City Field. The Mets held an old timers day, uh, which seemed like it was so much fun. And I've heard stories around the edges about how, you know, for ownership, it, it was expensive. Uh, and Steve Cohen's all in because he wants to celebrate these guys who've been part of Mets history. You know, players getting uh, all expenses paid, get $2,500 a piece for doing it. And I got to say, not only did I think it was cool for the Mets, but if I'm the Yankees and I'm seeing this, Sarah, you better step up your game a little bit because it feels like the Mets old timers day might wind up surpassing the Yankees. I mean, it was such an event. You know, my father was a huge Mets fan was watching it all, texting me, telling me he's crying during some of the intros. I mean, I really think it was so meaningful. And the moment when they retired Willie Mays' number, I mean, I'm here right now because of Willie Mays, because my mother was a huge Willie Mays fan. And to retire his number, making good on a promise Joan Payson made all those years ago. But, I mean, to your point about the expense, I mean, you're seeing these guys, the matching uniforms, the sneakers. You can tell how much went into it. And I think it really does get to the point that they have an owner now who is a huge fan of the team. 
and of the team's history, and that really shows. So we'll see what the Yankees do next year. But I saw Pedro said post-game in the uh, media availability that he wants to take on the Yankee old-timers. So I want to see that happen. Yeah, and there would probably be a brawl, you know, given that Pedro is involved. (laughs) I'm just kidding. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so Sarah made reference to that great piece by Tim Kirchin that he did on Albert Pujols. Here it was, part of Sunday Night Baseball the other day. The next. The wall! Gone! And it's history! The amazing Albert Pujols has hit a home run off of 450 different pitchers, the most in baseball history, breaking Barry Bonds' record of 449. Alphabetically, Pujols has homered off David Ardsma to Barry Zito and in height from 6'11 John Roush to 5'9 Chad Harville. Pujols hit eight homers off Ryan Dempster, most of any pitcher. Pujols' first victim was Armando Reynoso in 2001, and for now, the last was Rush Detweiler. Pujols homered off famous pairs. Fisher Price, Benjamin Franklin, Martin Lewis, Diamond Sale, Dustin Hoffman, Justin Bieber, Floyd Bannister, So Young, Merrill Lynch, Lincoln Kennedy, Penny Marshall, Nova Kane, and Brian Moeller. Pujols has homered off four guys aptly named Wood, Kerry, Mike, Travis, and Alex. He homered off a carpenter, a weaver, an archer, a miller, and a farmer. He homered off Holland, Maine, Dallas, Dakota, Tehran, and Lima. He homered off a hill, a sea, a park, and a diamond. He homered off a bird, a wolf, a bass, a hen, and Jimmy Gobble. He homered off a duke, a king, and Tony McKnight. He homered off Dull, Gray, Weathers, and Josh Fogg. He homered off Green, White, Gray, and Mark Redmond. He homered off some cheese from Colby and some gas from Fires. He hit a goner off Gomber. He hit one a mile off Miley, and he went back, 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 back off Brandon Backey. He homered off Homer Bailey and Ray King, which on this list makes Pujols the Homer King. Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Tuesday. And guess what? Big news. Bleacher Tweets is now officially sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Bleacher Tweets are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Um, we'll be doing that for the next couple of weeks, which is a lot of fun. Um, we already had a Bleacher Tweet uh, earlier that Buster, you deployed with Tim Kirkshin. You think yeah, what's it? your reaction there? Are you guys excited? I, like I am. I, like I'm. I'm going to be watching Cardinals with a lot of interest this year because I want to see Tim with a lightning bolt in his hair. <laughs> New favorite team, maybe. I kind of. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very excited. We're going to be rooting them on. Hopefully throughout the postseason. Well, I, you can set us uh, as long as as long as the Orioles are alive, you'll be rooting for them. But maybe the Cardinals can become your second favorite team. Right, they're my NL squad. Sarah, are you in on this? Oh, yeah. You know, all in on the Cardinals right now. Also, all in <laughs> on this JoJo Siwa clip. I need to find oh Tim gosh. dancing with JoJo Siwa. Okay. Yeah, that was that was revealed to Sarah. Uh, was not with the show last year. So she's going to find that and report back 
Um, let's go to the tweets here. Brian Roll at Baseball Brian Five writes in a very important Bleacher tweet. I want to start teaching my six-year-old about the game, but do I teach him the rule book strike zone or the strike zone that's actually called in games? Brian, teaching the rule book strike zone in part because we don't know what's going to happen in 12 years. I think the electronic strike zone is going to come within three or four years. But Rob Manfred's going to have to take a lot of heat to make that happen. And I'm curious to see if he's going to be willing to do that. <laughs> Rob Manfred, infamously known for taking heat uh, on behalf of the owners in, in baseball. T. Jones at TNJ629. Baseball players are all crazy. Dansby Swanson gets buzzed by a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and then hits the next pitch for a home run. Any same person would have just quit baseball. Agree, Buster? I'm just going to say Vanderbilt guy. Vandy guy. Well, uh, and I got, you know, I've got to know Dansby. Had to talk to him before Sunday night's game about his contract situation and, uh, you know, wh- what's going on with the team. Uh, I got to say, like, his level of toughness is really high. You know, he, mm-hmm. he in late inning situations, you want to lean on him. I loved it. That was really fun. Very cool. Billy Flanagan at Billy Flan writes in, was Ichiro girl throwing out the first pitch to Ichiro? The best thing about this past baseball weekend. You got to love that. Oh, my gosh, Buster. That video was hilarious. I I did not expect Ichiro girl to act like her former self, essentially, but she fangirled out and it was amazing. I I loved it. Uh, and it reminded me of that uh, the video when we do that at the end of the year, maybe we can collect some of these like the top 10 moments in baseball. Uh, <laughs> that uh, that moment when the kid uh, got the home run ball in Toronto and it was weeping because uh, uh, <laughs> he was hit by Aaron Judge, his favorite player. And then Aaron Judge, uh, you know, was met him on the field the next day. Uh, you know, that that to me to this point it might be number one, but each row girls in the running. How can you not be romantic about baseball? My goodness. Joe, the bald guy, Mr. Bald Guy, Joe writes in, if Ozzy Albies makes it back this year, does Vaughn Grissom go to left field? See, here's the thing. It's part of the reason why I think the Braves on paper are better than they were last year uh, is because they have so much flexibility and depth. Look, I saw Ozzy work out the other day. You know they're going to give it a shot. Uh, as he comes back from this fracture in his foot. And if he looks great, he might turn out to be the second baseman. If he doesn't, you got Vaughn Grissom. Or I think really what's going to happen, and Brian Setker talked to us about this before the game, like he's got a range of options where he can just say, I'm going to go with a hot hand. That's what they did with the outfielders last year. Jock Peterson, when he joined the Braves, got really hot. Then he slowed down and the other guys stepped in. The Braves have that with their everyday lineup. They have it potentially with the starting pitching. Jake Odorizzi has pitched better his last two starts, but they've got Mike Soroka coming back. They've got a lot of guys competing for playing time, and that's a great situation. Ryan at Slauncher writes in with the recent trend of teams locking up players for eight to 13 years. Harper, Riley, Harris, J-Rod are the players agents underestimating the growth of the future market. Harper's deal is looking pedestrian compared to what Judge and Soto are about to get. No, I don't think so. And remember, Harper was a free agent. Um, so I think, you know, it's very different. And, and typically Scott Boris's clients, Harper's one of those, will wait until they get to free agency before making a deal. In J-Rod's case, you know, he made it uh, ahead of time. That's uh, Austin Riley recently, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. last year, $340 million, but over 14 years. Here's my question. If you're Austin Riley, you're 25 years old, and someone offers you $210 million and you're a couple of years from free agency, uh, if you're Julio Rodriguez and you're six years from free agency, how in the world do you turn down a deal 
where you can make at least 210 million. I just don't think you can. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty tough. And that there's a, a point of diminishing returns. I think we've talked about this yeah. before, like especially when you're young. Like I don't blame anyone for taking those deals. Uh, last tweet of the day, Scott Appleman at Scott Appleman writes in Tim Kirkshen said the Dodgers would win at least 110 games. Now they need to go 30 and nine to reach 116. Do you think they will set the all time wins record? Yeah, I think they got a real shot. I mentioned to Tim, their record since June 21st, they're 49 and 13. At that pace, over 162, they would win 128. Their run differential now is plus 286. To put this into perspective, the the 98 Yankees, who I regard as the greatest team ever, a team uh, I've had fun covering in 1998, their run differential that year was plus 309. The Dodgers are at 286. So they, they might blow past that number and finish like 360, 370. Uh, in their last 62 games, they've had 360 runs scored, so basically six runs a game. They've allowed 188. They've doubled their opponents effectively in their last 62 games. That's crazy. All righty. That does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. And please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, Addy, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.